Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, August 13, 2023. We're halfway through the month of August. Good evening, everybody. we got a great show for you tonight. The vampire himself, James Rivera of Hellstar, and he's got his new project called Metal Wave. We'll be talking to James all about that and everything else that he's involved in, which is a lot of stuff. Uh, James is definitely a busy guy. And then Gus G from Firewind in the second half of the show. So stick around right there, Slayer. Haunting the Chapel, off of the Haunting the Chapel EP from 1984. Such a big Slayer fan. I remember getting one of their demo tapes, uh, I think it was the end of 82, maybe the beginning of 83. And, you know, Show No Mercy, Haunting the Chapel, and Hell Awaits, three of my top favorite records of all time. I kind of lost it for Slayer uh, in the 90s. You know, Seasons in the Abyss was probably the last record that I had any interest in. Everything they did after that, Divine Intervention, going all the way through the Diabolus and Musica, all the way up to the last record, uh, Repentless. I know, I just couldn't get into it. I mean, you know, at least Slayer stood more true to their original form than Metallica or Megadeth and a lot of other bands that came out in the early 80s. I'll give them credit for that. But the same as with Metallica, you know, when Cliff Burton died, kind of the soul left that band. And with Jeff Hainman, it was the same thing. You know, when he got sick and couldn't play anymore, the music started to take a little downturn, I think, you know, and it wasn't the same stuff. Uh, but I'll put those first three records, or the first two records, and the Haunted the Chapel EP up against any music anywhere, any time of the day. All right, we're going to keep everything flowing here. we got two guests tonight, a lot of chit-chatting to do. Uh, we have two more shows left in August, I think. Then we're going to take a break for the Labor Day weekend, and we come back, and it's our 15th anniversary show. I can't believe I've been doing this crap for 15 years. <laughs> it goes by really quick. All right, how about we do a little child safe, everybody? In case you haven't bought the anthology record that came out last year, 2022, head over to Lost Realm Records' website. You can pick yourself up a copy of it. Uh, all those classic demo tracks remastered and that live show is on the CD. Also, a vinyl came out this year. How about we do uh, Blood for Gold? Here you go, Child Saint. <laughs>
We started out that set with Child Saint and Blood for Gold. Right after that, Obsession, Running to the Night. Obsession of playing in Connecticut uh, on the 25th of August. It's, I'm so like disappointed because my wife and I go there usually in August for the weekend, and we pick next weekend to go. <laughs> so we're going to miss it by a week. Otherwise, I would have been at that show without a doubt. And right there, Angel Witch with Angel Witch, one of the most classic heavy metal songs ever. You know, when you think about Angel Witch, you know, Kevin Riddles, who was one of the original members of the band, uh, you know, he has Kevin Riddle's Baphomet going right now, and they do all Angel Witch songs. Now, you know, I, I you hear me talk about all the time about bands that play with no original members or bands that don't have, you know, the key members in there now. Here's an issue. Here's the thing now. You know, you have Kevin Riddle's in there, who is an original member, played on that classic first record. Uh, you know, you have Kevin Her- Hayborn, who, who's still with the band right now, the guitar player and singer. He's still, I mean, they're active, but they're very kind of inactive. They don't really do too much, uh, to be honest with you. They did have Angel of Light in 2019, uh, but you don't really hear much about them playing live. And Kevin says he has the okay uh, to go out there and play by the other one. So he's out there doing shows like that. So, I mean, is that okay? I mean, he was, he was the bass player, but he wasn't an original member. So, I mean, make it what you will. This is what's going on today, and it does bother me. I see, like, Carnival AD getting booked on all these festivals. They're a cover band of Carnival. I mean, I, I make fun of Riot 5 all the time because there's no original members in Riot 5, but at least you had one or two members that played in different eras of the band, you know, maybe going back to the 80s. They might not have been original members, but at least they were in the band with the key original members of the group. Carnival AD is being booked by festival promoters like, they, like it's Carnival. 
Nobody in that band has any association with the real Carter, except for maybe knowing the guys in the band from all being from the same scene back in the 80s. There was nobody in that band that played a Carnival yet to get in book like the, the second coming of Carnival. And I just don't get it. And I love Joe Cangelosi. And Joe has some stuff to say about that when the band first formed, when he wasn't a part of it. Now he is, so he might feel a little differently about what he said back then. But it makes no sense to me. I mean, why are people doing that? I mean, you have Tank. You know, Mick Tucker's Tank, which now is Tank because Algie's dead, so now he can just go by the name Tank. You know, and Mick wasn't a part of that original line. It wasn't even part of those first few classic records. He came in later on into the band. It was with them for a long time. Uh, and he kept it going after Algie kind of like, you know, disappeared from the thing. But he did it again as Algie Woods Tank. But he's out there playing out on the Tank because, you know, he's not around no more, so he could do that. Does that make it Tank? It's not Tank to me. There are key members of each band that make the band the band. You know, most of the time it is the lead singer. Sometimes it would be the guitar player. Uh, but there are key members of the band. Without that key member, it just doesn't work. I don't get it. The same thing's going on with Witchfind today. You know, you have Andrew Coulter's Witchfind. Then he sued, uh, he sued Tracy Abbott for using the name. Now, this is even better because Andrew Coulter was part of that original lineup of, of Witchfind. It was on the debut record. Uh, I think he might have even been on one of the demo tapes or one of the singles before the record came out. And then he disappeared after that. And Witchfind went on for many years. You know, it had a lot of records out after that first one. There were big breaks in action from the band like a lot of bands from that era, especially bands from New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Uh, but he was on that first record. Somewhere down the line, he got back involved with the band. Tracy Abbott came into the band maybe five or six years ago. I, I think he had an overdrive going, and he still does. Uh, then he goes out playing on the Witchfind. He says, well, the band's so inactive, I'm taking the name, and I'm going to go... But he wasn't on one Witchfind record. Only joined the band a few years before playing live. So really, what right does he have to use the name and go out there playing under the name? And he's booking shows on there. So that's kind of annoying, too. Andrew Colton was on the first record. was absent for probably decades before he got back involved with the band again. But at least he was on the first record, even being the bass player. You know, so now they had, they had the lawsuit happened, or they were threatened with a lawsuit. So they changed the name of the band to Abattoir. Like, that's so much better because there were like eight bands named Abattoir back in the day, especially the most famous one out of California, who, by the way, Steve Gaines, who's the singer of that band, will be on the show next week because his other band, Anger is Art, has a new record coming out. So a little promotion over there. <laughs> for next week's show, but, you know, so there's Tracy Abbott, but Tracy Abbott's playing a festival, I think, this week, where he's playing that under the name Witch Find X. Witch Find X, but it's Abattoir. Abattoir's Witch Find X. I mean, this makes no sense. It's so baffling, so confusing, and so annoying. This is one of the things that's going to, you know, if you're a true purist and a metalhead like myself who's been around in the scene since the very beginning of time, you know, when it really first got started going, this underground scene, I mean, things like this annoy me, and they should annoy people that were around when they saw all the original lines of these bands. Granted, you know, the scene died in the 90s. I get that. I know a lot of bands came back later on. Some bands kept plugging away all through that time, you know, with different lineup changes, but the key members were still there. You know, this is disgusting. I mean, you know what it is? If you look at it, you have a lot of these young kids who weren't around in the 80s and never saw these bands that think they're getting the original lineup. Or you get people that were born, you know, in 1980 who may be 10 years old at the end of the decade when the whole scene went to shit and collapsed who kind of miss that, but they think, well, I'm an 80s metalhead, so I love it. But, you know, you, you're not. And you miss that ever. You miss that decade. You miss these versions of the band. Just move on. Stop supporting these half-assed cock lineups of these groups and these... and these. It's just ridiculous. Listen, if you're a four-piece band and you got two of the key members in there, and I don't mean the bass play and the keyboard play like Alcatraz does, nobody gives a shit about... <laughs> Jimmy Waldo and Alcatraz. It was Graham Bonnet. Graham Bonnet was people cared about and Yingve when he was with the band for that first record. Not 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 Jimmy Waldo. Nobody cares about that. 
You know, so if you're going to get the band back together, at least have two of the four key members in there or three of the five if you're a five-piece band, not just a drummer and the bass player. And believe me, listen, I'm not, I'm not slagging on bass players and drummers. I was a bass player myself. If anybody asked for still want to get back together and I said, well, it's only me, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Nobody went to see Stillborn Live to see me play bass and went to go see my singer Terry or my drummer Dave who was beyond amazing. You know, they didn't give a shit about me or my guitar player Mike. You know, so I would never do that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a purist at heart. I, I have no idea. It beats the shit out of me. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the music. While I'm talking, how about we do our demolition segment demo right now? Uh, this is a band out of Long Island, New York called Toxic Shock. Yeah, there were about four bands from the mid-80s with that name from all over the place. Uh, but the New York band had three demo tapes out from around 86 to maybe 89. Uh, we're going to play a song off the first demo tape, Shock Treatment. They had another demo in 89 that followed it up with Feeling the Pain. I know about 10 years ago they released two EPs. I think they were all downloadable. Uh, you know, they did it on their own. They kind of remixed, I guess, the songs from the demo tapes and put them on. Uh, I thought they were a good band. I wish they would have got signed back then, but they were kind of late to the scene. So here's Brain Dead by Toxic Shock. <laughs> Thank you. 
Across the pond in the United Kingdom, that was Mad Dog, uh, Johnny Cyclops, off the 1986 record. Uh, I believe that was the only record the band had out and a single. I think they're together today as The Dog. I'm not really sure. I haven't heard anything about them. I'd like to reach out to a member of that band and get them on the show. Uh, after I played like Night Rider two weeks ago on the show, I said, let me go see if I could find a member of the band. I, I went to go look some of them up and... Like, three of the key members of the band all passed away over the last few years. I don't know who's left in there. I'm not laughing like it's a joke. I'm sorry that they passed away. But, like, I was like, all right, you know, I'm starting to run out of guests here. I can't find anybody anymore. Most of them have passed on. But it is what it is, right? That's life. We're all getting older, but while we're still here, let's live it and enjoy it. All right, how about we play a little Hellstar before we talk to James Rivera. Then we're going to get some music on off of his new project, Metal Wave. This is new wave music done heavy metal style. Some people will like it. Some people won't. You let me know what you think after it's over when I play a song from that record. But let's do some classic Hellstar right now. Here's Leather and Lust.
happening, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm talking to you. How how, how can life be any better than that? Yeah, I think I lost you there, James. We're back. Okay, here we go. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Great. I said life is great. I'm talking to you on a Thursday night. How bad can life be? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm uh, I'm so glad you're doing it Skype because I kept thinking it was Zoom because everybody else is Zoom, you know? I, I, I can't figure Zoom out. Forget it. I don't know how to use that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, so I'm, I'm on my phone because I'm doing things while I'm talking to you because I have to go to rehearsal uh, at 6.30, but that's fine. So this is perfect. <laughs> uh, I hear you. We'll, we'll get it done before then. we got to get you back to the music. I, I, but... dude, I, I can, I'm an octopus. I can do a couple of things at one time. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad for that. And, and one of the things that you've done, I know it's been a couple of years, you know, since this metal wave thing got started and COVID kind of put a little you know, a chick in the armor over there, but it's finally out now. And when I heard about this, I was like, I don't know. I mean, James does a lot of shit. He can sing anything and everything, but I don't know about the new wave stuff. And then I heard the songs coming out over the last two years. I was like, damn. I'm like, he's onto something here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my whole idea was uh, to at least keep the melodies and everything else the same. But, you know, I needed to sing them in my range, in my way, to make them metal. Otherwise, what would be the point? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But, you know, each one has its own identity, even apart from the originality of the original version of the song. I mean, like, you know, Peter Gabriel, Shock the Monkey, that's this whole gothic thing going on with the metal mixed in with it and the original, you know, new wave sound. I mean, you really oh, took yeah. each song to a whole different level. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's, um, that's a lot of people's favorite right now. Really? And uh, and I kind of did the same thing with Love Song from The Cure. Instead yeah. Of, you know, when Larry was producing it, you know, of course, yeah, I probably shouldn't say that on the air, but, you know, he just said, you know, there's something about that guy, Robert Smith's voice that gets on my nerves, and it's too whiny, and it's too, I said, well, dude, that's what made him a character, I mean, he's, I, I have a friend of mine that's in a Cure tribute band, and every time I see him, you know, we get together, and I'm like, why, why did you leave me again, you know, you know, why? <laughs> You know, you know, I love you, and you broke my heart. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what all his songs are about. You know, so, true. You know, he does a great job doing that. <laughs> that he does. I mean, I think about this record and this song and what you did with it, and all the songs on the record. I'm like, I don't know. Do you think this would fly if this was 1984? You know, Hellstar was flying high. Do you think this kind of album would have gotten by back then with the metalheads? Because today, they'll admit, well, you know, I used to listen to a lot of that stuff back then, but I would never say it out loud. But, you know, 40 years later, people are, you know, people in a whole different place musically. Dude, you, you hit it right on the nail, dude. I think you and I are related somewhere. I don't know. Maybe my, maybe, maybe my dad met your mom in the war. <laughs> but, uh, no, the, the honest to God's truth, no, this wouldn't have worked back then because... When I got into Depeche Mode and all that, it was one of those things that you kind of had to have like a little secret, secret life from your metalhead circle because it was not, it was not cool, you know, you were yeah. like, yeah, you know, so it's like, what do you got in the Walkman there, dude? Oh, oh nothing. You, you, what? It, it better be Merciful Fate. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. It was fucking the Psychedelic first newest album, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, because it wasn't cool back then, you know, and, uh, but now that we are 40 years later, and it's very odd that I have to say, realistically, 
on a scale from one to ten, and and I'm not trying to make myself feel better. I'd say it's at least seven that uh, that equally love new wave and heavy metal, and they did all along, but now they even love it more so because it's we're from the '80s, and right now I'd rather listen to fucking the Culture Club than some shit out there today, you know. So that's I think what's happening. And uh, so it, it's it's the right time for something like this to, to hit. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'm going to miss something right now because last night I went to go see Culture Club Berlin. <laughs> Howard Jones, they're yeah, out on tour and they played in my yeah. area. And everybody's like, you took your wife? I'm like, yeah, I took my wife. My wife wanted to go. <laughs> to go. Yeah, yeah but, you blame it on the wife, right? Yeah. But, but you know what? They put on an amazing show and there was no lip syncing, no, you know, everything was oh, on. It was, it was just because... At least, whatever, you know, we were sort of considered rivals with new waivers and metalheads, but da da da. But the thing is, they were all real musicians as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. dude, listen to Big Country and The Fix. I mean, you're talking about, like, The Fix is kind of like the rush of new wave, you know? Yeah, I mean, those yeah. guys were fucking uh, over-the-top musicians. So that that's the weird thing about all that stuff is that uh, – it, it it all still was still real musicianship, real singing, um, you know, real drum playing, real guitar playing, a lot of bass. And so the bass player, Garrick, he's in heaven because, yeah, he gets to play a lot of good <laughs> yeah. bass on this stuff. <laughs> but let's, let's be honest. If you go back to the early 80s and a lot of those new wave bands that were coming out, their music was all based in rock and roll. And everything that we've done after, everything's come out of rock and roll, one form or another. No matter what the music was, it all came from rock and roll pretty much. I mean, you know, blues and jazz into rock and roll. But most of those bands' names all came from a rock background, every one of them. They just took it in a different direction. Exactly. You know, and, and then they, and some of them, like when they got really uh, uh, symphonic is the word, I guess. Or, uh, you know, they just, they just used a lot more keyboards and, instead of guitar. But it's still was rock rooted you know so it, it was all still in, in the rock and roll era you know regardless true and, and you know in the songs that you kind of picked to cover in this record there were a lot of bands that people would know just from radio play like it says like the cure and the pesh mode you know but you also went a little deeper so, i mean echo and the bunny man a lot of people may know them but may not recognize a lot of their songs and you kind of put them in there the cult which i never really considered a new wave band but i gave it a whole new like you know take after listening to your cut of it so you did kind of like, there are some kind of deep cuts in here where people may have heard the name of the band and may have recognized the song, but not really put it together. Yeah, yeah, like Echo and the Funny Man just, they, I mean, they, they got really popular, but they just didn't get there with Depeche Mode and The Cure and the rest of those guys. So it, it, it's weird how we did pick that. Uh, and the, the cult song, you're right. You didn't know whether the cult were sort of new wave or were they, were they metal or what, what, they were in between. But if you went to any dance club in the 80s, dude, the cult was fucking like the number one yep. song. And it had everybody go, whoa. And even if you didn't know how to dance, you were out on the floor, you know, <laughs> especially if you had a couple of drinks in you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now with this record out and people hearing it for the first time, I got a feeling you're going to convert a lot of fans into some of this older. They're going to go back and want to hear the originals now. So is this something you're going to follow up with? Maybe another record down the road with more covers, maybe some deeper cuts? Or did you ever think about, you know, writing, you know, original new wave metal music? You know, yeah, no, completely my, uh, different. My guitar player, uh, because I'm a big, huge fan of Unto Others. And, um,. What I was thinking is, man, unto others and metal wave together right now, and they love it. They they 
love the record. I mean, I've, I've given it to them a while back. You know, I, I stay in touch with Sebastian a lot, and they love what I did with it, you know. and uh, But, you know, yeah, I would love to do originals. But, no, I mean, Massacre believed in it so much, dude. They, they gave me a three-record deal. So there is going to be more. And we were already working. Well, actually, we already play it live in the set. But it, the record was already mixed and mastered. Like you said, it's been done so long ago that, you know, it was already turned in. And now we wish we would have waited because the strongest song we have and, and our version of it, I mean, it's the highlight of the evening is How Soon Is Now by the Smiths. Yeah, and, yeah. And we, yeah, that one didn't make it. But, you know, we play it live. And um, right now, uh, Maurice is working on Red Skies at Night by the, um, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, by the fix, and then um, Larry's got a, a London After Midnight, The Spider and the Fly. He's got that down already. So, yeah, London After Midnight was also kind of not quite all the way up there with the rest of the big, big hitters. You know, like Depeche Mode, The Cure, they're like the Arn Maidens and the Judas Priest of that genre. True. You know? Yeah, exactly. Duran Duran. So even Duran Duran, we were like, yeah, I don't know, you know, and then Larry's like, yeah, all their shit was in major you know, and so that, and that's, that's another thing we have to be careful with is that it has to be sad, it has to be dark already in its original form, because then he can go to town with making it metal and still keeping the same vocal melodies with this almost the same scale and notes that they use. So that's the, our main focus is so that the new waivers that didn't like metal will still be able to sing to the songs just like they do on the originals. And that was our big purpose. Um, but we did one day we were just coming home from dinner, me, him and his wife. And we, I don't know what we were listening to. And then, uh, oh, yeah, he put on first wave on Sirius just for the hell of it. To go, yeah, there's got to be some other stuff out there. And sure enough, dude, I mean, the minute he switched it, all of a sudden comes on Save a Prayer. And then he says, whoa, and he turned it up. And then his wife turned around and looked at me. She goes. I think you can do this one. <laughs> and I'm like, dude. And he goes like, dude, we could do this completely fucking Sabbath meets uh, um, some kind of eerie candle mass uh, uh, version of it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So that's another one. You see, so we, we're just kind of looking. There's so many tunes like Depeche Mode and The Cure. They're in the can for God, 10, 20 songs that we could do metal. No problem. You know, but it's also trying to spread it out and, and bring in some other artists. And oh, then another one we're doing is David Bowie. So uh, and and of course, you know, I'm a big Peter Murphy fan. So cuts you up is also going to be in the mix. Wow. So we were doing. Yeah, that's a, you know, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And um, so, yeah, we're working on stuff like that. You know, and it's just uh, and, and then Larry even said jokingly, but he really was serious. He goes, dude, you know what? Even fucking Iran by Flock of Seagulls would work. And I go, what? And he goes, dude, check it out. <laughs> it's like, wow. It sounded like Judas Priest playing. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And I'm like, well, see, we got a lot of ideas. Oh, Sushi and the Banshee, we got a couple of ideas with them. And it's endless, man. It's just endless. It really is. As soon as you do a Kaja Gugu song, then I think I'm done. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> 
Now we have to stay away from that. Uh, yeah. But it sounds like you got a, like you got a lot cooking. I mean, one of the things about you is that you're always busy. You're always out there playing live. You know, one of your bands or projects or your metal extravaganza. You know, you love being up on stage. You love playing. I think that's your heart and soul is that, you know, you'll go out there and play for anybody playing anything because you just want to be up on that stage. And that's like the most important thing I think as musicians to get out there and play live. And you've done that over and over again for the last 40 years. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, you know, I just... I... I mean, the pandemic, like, you know, the last interview we did was doing Cloud of Black, and I think the pandemic was still, it, it was it was, it was was headed towards its end, but it was still breathing and living, and yeah, dude, it was, it, you know, I just want to get out there, and I love playing, and I love touring, that's my main thing, is just being out on the stage, out on the road, uh, delivering live music, and it, it's all I know, I mean, so at this point, you know, unfortunately, hey, you know what? If I'm lucky, I'll get to live to be 96 like Tony Bennett. And look, he did it That's all right. the way through the end. <laughs> he yep. didn't go, oh, well, I think it's time for me to go get a day job and quit singing. You know, no, he did it all the way. Yeah, of course, he made a lot of money, but, it, you know, it's different in his, his genre, his time. But, yeah, for me, it's going to be the same way. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, the, then and, you know, the other funny thing is, is that somebody said, oh, well, shoot. In about another 20 years, you can do fucking metal big band style, you know, <laughs> you know, and I go, because that generation is going to get old with you and they're going to still want to hear metal. And I said, well, yeah, but at that point, they're going to still want to hear metal the way metal was. So we don't need to tone it down. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Just because we're old, you know, yeah. <laughs> You're right about that. You know, you talk about Larry. I mean, your relationship together. I mean, four decades of working together, writing music together. You've outlasted probably a million and one marriages together. What is the chemistry between you two guys when it comes? Because just a hell star. You guys are involved in a lot of other things together musically also. Yeah, well, it's, you know, um, I, I guess, dude, we're, well, there's nothing wrong with saying it. But no, we're just, we're really good friends. That's the thing is that, dude, we have never. Like, I mean, we have never gotten into a screaming match or, a, I mean, you know, we talk about things. We don't, you know, if, if we have a, we disagree. Yeah, of course we disagree about things, but we just know each other so well that it, it's kind of like one of those things that it's senseless to even think about uh, raising our voices or throw a temper temper tantrum just because I didn't like that idea. And we know how to talk about things. And see, that's the difference between us and a lot of other musicians. But, you know, in a lot of these metal bands, there are nucleuses. So they must have the same relationship is what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you know, look, at, Bo look at Bobby and Dee Dee. I mean, and they're New Jersey boys. You know? That's so right. Everybody's got a temper. You. No, fuck <laughs> you, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah but no, I've never seen them act like that towards each other. And I've been on tour with them. They're actually, they're very tight with each other. You know what, Dee Dee's go over here and he talk to you about something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and next thing you know, that, yep. that member's out of the band. I told you, don't you fuck up no more. Yeah. <laughs> but is that something that you grow into? Because, you know, in 1983, you know, the two of you might have butted heads on certain things and disagreed and handled it a different way than as you do now. Because as you get older, everything changes and you look at things in a different way also. So was that something that you grew into over your time working together? Yeah, man. We just, you know, we, we, uh, we separated for a while and he ventured off to um, listen to, you know, a different kind of metal that I wouldn't listen to. 
you know, but that didn't mean anything. But in the same time, I was venturing off into different things. And then when we started becoming to back together, he said, yeah, I did check that out. I do kind of like that. And I was like, oh, really? He goes, yeah. I was wondering where that Cradle of Filth band came from. And, and I was like, so, you know, we, we, uh, we, what it is is we also evolved together, you know, and, and we didn't stay stuck, like, going, peace of mind, that's the only record I know to do, you know? So, and, and I think that uh, with some of the ex-members, and it's not even uh, uh, saying anything bad, but um, some of them just didn't, didn't come out of that time period. And so if I could go, I, there's a couple of members I could go to and say, Hey man, the new dark tranquility was who, you know, like, Oh, yeah. never mind. right. You didn't, you, that's right. Peace, uh, peace of mind is still your favorite record. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great record, but I mean, there's a little bit more that happened after the 1988 guys, you know? So <laughs> no, you're right. But you know, it, it's, it's funny because like, you know, I made in every record that comes out, you know, it's I made they kind of write the same thing over and over again. ACDC. I mean, you, they're doing something right, obviously, because they're playing in stadiums and making millions of dollars, but it's the same records kind of over and over again, <laughs> where if you go back and like, you know, Hellstar, Burning Star doesn't sound like multiples of black, but yet it sounds like Hellstar. Multiples of black don't sound like Vampiro, but it sounds like Hellstar. You've always exactly. changed things up, and it, you know who it is, and you don't have to sound the same or write, you know, Burning Star over and over again. No, no. I mean, if you, if, yeah, if you were to put on Burning Star and you were to put on, I mean, yeah, Vampiro or let's just say the latest three new songs on uh, Clad in Black, you wouldn't. If it wasn't for the voice, you wouldn't think it's the same goddamn band. You know, you'd be like, what the hell, you know? But then again, you would because you hear like, why does it sound like that band from 1984? <laughs> because it is them. Because <laughs> yeah. we have a signature sound, but we can't go back in time and write, you know, just like that anymore. And, and, and it's not that we can't, we just don't want to, you know? I mean, we... we We've evolved. We have different tastes in metal now, and and there's a, a lot of different metal styles of metal that both me and Larry appreciate. That isn't necessarily just always Judas Priest, Iron Maidenish, Iron Maidenish sounding. You know, yeah, absolutely. We kind of we're kind of labeled that way, and that's fine. That's a compliment, you know, for us. Like, yeah, you're the American version of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, you know, and. Uh, and that's a that's a big compliment that we don't take it as like oh copycat you know blah 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 no we well we should sound like that because <laughs> those are the bands that influenced us those were the covers we were doing before we started writing Burning Star so it makes sense <laughs> absolutely and you're talking about Clad and Black I'm glad that we got that a couple of years ago you know three new songs a couple of cover songs the other album was re-released but Vampire the last studio record 2016 seven almost eight years are going on now. I mean, I thought that was one of the band's strongest records. You know, it was such a solid album. You know, this whole theme behind it and everything. I mean, what's coming next? I mean, uh, are we going to get a new house though, you think, maybe next year? Oh, it's a, we're already recording it. We're oh, half, great. Uh, we're about halfway done with it. Uh, I start the vocals. Um, actually, I was going to try to start this weekend, but I have a little gig with, with, for a buddy of mine's birthday, and we're just doing a bunch of metal covers. And um, But we start next uh, and then next Saturday we have our Metal Wave CD release show here in Houston. Um, but the, the following weekend, I hit the studio hard for all of August. So I'll probably be done with about three quarters of the, the record vocally by the end of August. 
and then by the by the end of by the by the end of September, we plan on turning the record in. Wow, that's going to be great. Is there a concept yeah. behind this album, or is it just straight on you know metal songs? Well, we have different titles, we have different ideas, um, and then again, I, I'm not uh, I'm not force feeding the band to always think along the line of just vampires. Now, I mean, that's my world, so they're free to write whatever they want to write about. But ironically. Andrew's like, dude, I got this new song. It's about a werewolf. <laughs> you know, you were bitching about vampires, but <laughs> hey, I'll take it. You know, I so you, you wrote a song about my filthy animal cousin that shits in his pants. You know, who <laughs> <laughs> doesn't bathe, and you know, yeah, he fucking doesn't get a haircut, and it's like, it like fucking what's his name from the Grateful Dead? That's cool. You know, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, well, I know. It's, at yeah. least for the werewolf, you can still wear the teeth, and it kind of goes together in a way. <laughs> yeah, it does, you know. So I, I was like, well, I'm, I, I'm impressed, you know. So, but no, I mean, um, yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, we're, um, we're there we're open to a different ideas. And, you know, we have a couple of titles in mind, and we have one that's really strong. Um, I think we're going to go with it. But it's still because of the title and the cover idea that we have. Um, and it'll be loosely based on um, this last movie that, um, that me and Larry, well, I saw it and so did Larry. And um, it had uh, Russell Crowe in it. And it was called, um, it, it was it, it was about the true story of the, the real boy that was, uh, uh, he uh, was possessed. And, um, there's a quote that, that they that he says when he's he's on the bed, and uh, and it's really cool. So, uh, but since you and I go back so far, we have to we have to uh, kind of keep it under. The, we'll talk about it after the interview. But it, it's a, it's a strong title, and I think that we're going to go with it. I kind of you talking about the Pope's Exorcist. I kind of think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, that movie. Did you see it with Russell Crowe? It just came out. It's, yeah. 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 Well. There's a, there's a quote that the kid says, and, and, and it, it's stuck in Larry's mind. And so I'm actually writing a song about uh, being possessed. So see, it's, it's on, it has nothing to do with a vampire, but it can be, you know. But it's it's just that you know we're trying to we're trying to always write stuff that can have several meanings. It's kind of always been our goal. It, it depends on how the reader wants to to listen to it or read it. You know when they. You know, I don't know how many people still read lyrics. You know, I do sometimes because I like to know what 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 is this about. You yeah. Know? And uh, <clears throat> but you know that's kind of always been one of our tricks. And it's like, oh, I thought the song was about that. No, it has nothing to do about that. It's not about the Easter Bunny. It's about Santa Claus getting all <laughs> fucked up. You know. <laughs> but you were you were close because it had something to do with a holiday character. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Is, is touring still an option where you want to go out and do it, you know, a couple of weeks, a month at a time? Or do you prefer just, you know, running the – a lot of bands just, they just want to do well, the festival circuit. They hit the festivals one after the other, and that's no, enough for them. We want to go out and, and tour. It's just it, – trust me, it, it kills my boys. They – you know, we, we the, you know we feel like, man, but there is a realistic part of it when it comes to a financial situation – Everybody has to keep a roof over their head, and some of us have pretty big roofs, like such as Mikey and Larry, and, and even Garrett now, just, you know, the kid bought a condominium, and 
all that stuff comes with a certain amount of monthly income to maintain those things. And if it's not realistic for us to go out there and maintain that amount of money uh, for three, four months while we're gone and out there on the road, then it's not possible because we're, we, you know, we can't run back home to mom and daddy's anymore. Yeah. Like we were in the 20s, you know, like, oh, well. Yeah, you know how many cars I got repossessed? <laughs> That's okay. You know, everybody, you know, what, what's wrong with the truth? Hey, I'm okay, man. I'm Tony Montana. You think I come from the gutter? You know, yeah, yeah. That's, I don't come off no banana man. You know, yeah. But, you know, it's still, at the same time, um, you know, it, it is one of those things. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I my parents are dead. So if I ran home to them, I'd, I'd just got to dig a hole and go down oh, there with it. You know, yeah, at that point, but. It's kind of um, it's what it all comes down to that, and it and it's not because I hate to say it's all about the money, but it is. And of it's, course. And it's, but but we all have to live. I mean, I know you got to do what you got to do to where you live, and the East Coast isn't cheap, you know. So yeah, we're lucky we live in Texas. We have a you know we're like one of the most economical places to live. But it it, it has all that's what it all has to do with. If we were, it's some agent was to say. All right, guys, um, how would you like to go out for six months playing with Judas Priest? You're guaranteed a million a night, and you do what, what you want to do with the money, split it how you want to split it. We would sit there and fucking go, what the fuck? Yeah, of course. You don't yeah, turn well, that down. Yeah. yeah, Larry probably ended up going, I'm sorry, babe, I'm getting a divorce. You know, yeah, who knows? <laughs> no, he, his wife is retired. Come on, we're going on tour. We're going to see the world, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'd be the same way. I'd say, like, hey. Pack up the cats, sell the house. We're out of here. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we'll get another one, a bigger one. You know, yeah. So I mean, it's it's really all about that, and and everybody wants to live that dream, and see. And I think that if if we were ever to get that opportunity, we would we would I would know what to do with all that money, and it would last my great 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 grandkids. Unfortunately, a lot of the bands that got that money and blew it and are nowhere now, I don't feel sorry for them because they had the opportunity. I never was given that opportunity. And you know what? And I just feel like, man, I'd, I'd do anything in the world to, to, to make 100000 a year doing music. I'd be, I'd be happier than shit. And that's sure. not a lot of money these days. But it's money. And do you think, like, you know, the bands that, I mean, only every band came from the underground at one point or another, but do you think the bands that made it, like a band like Iron Maiden and Metallica, bands that were in that scene for, for many years before they caught that break, do you think they owe something to the bands that are still from the underground scene to put them on with them? Because you'll see Metallica out there with Five Finger Death Punch. I'm like, why don't you put Hellstone on that bill? Why don't you put Raven on that yeah. bill? I mean, Ozzy gave all those bands a shot. You know, Ozzy gave all those bands a shot to go on tour with them, and they all broke after that. You know what, dude? You're scaring me now. You are related to me. (laughs) Dude, it is so weird that you said that um, because I have always said that. I'm like, you know what? And it's almost funny. Like, it's like if I was like, this was a jerky boy fucking uh, episode. You know, I'm going to go to the show. You can go see Iron Maiden? Yeah, I'm going to tell them off. I'm going to tell them off. And that's the reason why me and you live in a fucking goddamn attic is because those fuckers <laughs> made me do this shit 
Now they won't even fucking listen to my demo. They won't help me. They won't do nothing. And now what am I going to do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, all you got to do is, you, how many millions did you make? Can you just give me one? Just give me one out of the hundred yeah. million. Oh, help your brother out, man. I'm the reason I'm in this shape because of you. You know? <laughs> See, that, and that, if, if it was me and Hellstar was uh, wearing the shoes, you know, then it was our maiden coming to me going, you know, it's because of Born and Star that I'm starving in the streets and I'm an angry man. Like, hey, Bruce, take it easy. Uh, yeah. You know what? Here's a million, dude. <laughs> now, use it wisely yeah. and try to get yourself up there and I'm going to give you a couple of shows and after that, you're on your own. See, but, but it's true. Me, they should I, be helping out. Listen, you got Metallica out there doing two shows a weekend. They've got Eddie Van Halen's son playing with them and, 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 and another band on another show. What would it take when you go to each town to get one of the known – if they're in Texas, get Hellstar on the bill for one night. When you're in California, they're running around with patches on the jacket of Weapon and all these other bands from the you know, British Heavy Metal, yet they don't put them on the bill when they go to their neighborhood. I mean, what does it take for that one band on the bill, you know, on that one show? It, that'd be the whole I, tour. I, I, all, we need, all we need is one. Yeah, and I, I guarantee you, you you get us in front of one of those crowds like that, then it's all downhill. And then yes, everybody can quit their job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the thing is that we we know it without being conceited. We know it from the thousands of fans that always almost in tears are like, I don't understand. You know, you guys are like way better than the rest of this crap and. You should already been there with the rest of these guys. And then you know what, dude? It makes you feel like an ostrich putting your head in the sand, going, I know, you know, I know. And, and you know, but, and it, it's, um, it's soothing, but it's also painful at the same time because you are like, fuck, why aren't we there? You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, we musically, uh, you know, I think a lot of bands would be afraid to go on after us. <laughs> You True. know, so it's like, yeah, it'd be like that scene in uh, in Scarface, you know. Okay, your turn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know as well as I do, most of it is just being in the right place at the right time, and it's luck. Yeah, it's well, talent it, sometimes. It, it, that's all it is. It's being at the right place at the right time. It's who you know, and 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 basically who you're connected with, and it all comes down to that. In some cases, it's about how much money you have when you first start out, but I think that that's what killed a lot of the bands um, that started out with because they thought, because, oh, I have a bunch of money, so I can just buy my way in the business. But then if their music wasn't that great and, you know, they, then they were like a one-album, two-album hitter, and then you never heard from them again. Sure. You know? and, and so, but, but yeah, for the, for the most part, being at the right place at the right time, uh, and, and that's basically what it comes down to, you know? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. James, I'm not going to keep it. I know you got to get to rehearsal. I know you got stuff going oh, on yeah, tonight. And, and I'm sure we're going to do this when the new Hellstock comes out. You, and, uh, I, I'm glad you enjoy the record, and thank you so much. And tomorrow it's born, and uh, we, you know, we're excited you know, two years later, but hey, it's, it's coming out. It's here now, dude, July 28th, Massacre Records. You, you did an amazing job on this. And I know, just by the songs you mentioned before, the next one's going to be even better than this one. Oh, yeah, it is. It's going to be stronger, and we're going to spend more time on it um, production-wise. And then I think the next one, we'll probably send it to the same guy that was uh, mixed and mastered uh, <clears throat> the Clad in Black, you know, because I think he heard it, and he loved it, and he was like, well, why didn't you send it to me? Well, we didn't have much of a budget for this, and it started out as a joke. We didn't even think that 
massacre was going to take it, but they did. And so we're like, you know, and then, so, but you know, next go around, I think that we'll, uh, we'll have a, you know, we'll have a bigger budget and then it'll sound bigger. Um, and it's going to be some really cool shit on it. I know it will be. James, you take care, my friend. We'll talk again soon when the Hellstar comes out, I'm sure. You bet. You got okay. it, buddy. Have a great one. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>
off the new Metal Wave record, the song Rain. James Rivera does Metal Wave. Love it. James is such a great guy to talk to. I always have fun when he's on the show. And you know what? Next year when that new Hellstar comes out, we'll have him back on here again. Always a pleasure to talk to. You know, during the interview, we were talking about, like, you know, do bands who have made it to the big leagues kind of all like the bands that are behind them, or the bands that came up with them that just didn't have that break? Do they, you know, do they deserve that that break to be given a, sh- a spot on one of the shows? And I'm looking at some videos the other day, you know, Guns N' Roses are out on tour right now. I'm not a Guns N' Roses fan at all. I could care less about the band. Always did. Uh, but they got Carrie Underwood opening up for, <laughs> for Guns N' Roses. Now, listen, beautiful girl, great singer. You know, she wants to do her little hard rock and, you know, rock and roll type of thing. But, you know, Carrie Underwood can sell out arenas just as big as Guns N' Roses can. Just that this is a rock and roll band, so she's opening up for them. Now, shouldn't Guns N' Roses put on some other younger band who's on the way up to give them that break? Does Carrie Underwood really need the opening slot on a Guns N' Roses tour? I mean, all you keep seeing is videos of her doing, you know, uh, Motorhead, Ace of Spades. You know, she does hard, and she also includes a couple of her country songs on the set. So, I mean, does that really belong there? I mean, like I said, beautiful girl, love her voice, great singer. But why not give that slot to a band that's up and coming? That's just how I feel. Eh, who am I, right? Okay. Uh, how about we do a little H-bomb right now? We'll do something off to feel is pain. Uh, didn't didn't uh, uh, what's his name? David Potter sing on this from uh, Cloverhoof. I know he had joined the band. I think sometime in the mid '80s. I why is it that I can't remember? I'm not even sure now to be honest with you. But I'm pretty sure he was in there and on this. Uh, yeah, I think he went by Patrick Diamond. I remember at that time. Yeah, it was Patrick Diamond he went by. But it was really David Potter uh, from uh, Cloverhoof. He sang with H Bomb on the Stop the Light single and To Feel His Pain EP. I think that's some pretty good stuff. They kind of launched that little bit of that, that French groove that they had going on with the EP. Uh, but it was a pretty good record. So let's get on a song off of that. I'll try to squeeze in one more tune before we got to get to uh, Gus G for Firewind. We'll see what we can do. See in front of you because I 
All right, Taste of Iron out of Washington State. Love those guys. You know, that's off the Resurrection record from 1984. They also had the Metal Beast EP out around the same time. And about five, maybe six years ago now, they gave us a self-titled Taste of Iron record after reuniting in 2012. I've had Lorraine and Mark on the show quite a few times over the years. Love talking to them. I wish they would put some new music out, you know. Uh, I hate to wait so long and then things don't happen, but the band is active right now. They do have a couple of live shows coming up, which is a good thing. Maybe that'll stir up the new music juices and we'll get something out of the band maybe next year. Then we'll have them back on the show again. All right, it's time for Gus G for Firewind. Gus G was in a lot of bands, you know, in the early part of the last decade, so we'll talk to him about all of them if we have the time. But uh, let's get on some Firewind. Uh, well, let's do something off the first record. Considering that they're celebrating 20 years, which is actually 21 now, because when this record and live show was recorded, it was last year. So it's technically 21 years since the first record came out. Let's do uh, something off that record. We'll do Destination Forever, and then we'll talk to Gus.
Hey, Mike, how's it going? I'm doing great. How about you? Is this a video or audio, just to make sure? You can do audio. I, I don't even know how to use the video. This is old school radio. There we go. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Technology and me don't get along too well. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> No, it's, it's not that hard. That's all right. I know. It's, it's just a radio show, so nobody can see us. If it was, I wouldn't be doing it. Oh, good, my man. <laughs> hey, well, listen, such a big fan of you, your guitar playing and Firewind. I remember getting a copy of that 1998 demo and saying, holy cow, you know, metal is back in a big way if this keeps going. And it did, 20-something oh, wow. years now. Wow, wow, yeah. Wow, I didn't know you, you heard the, the band even back then in the early days, but cool, cool. Yeah, right it's, it's, been, it's been a long journey, and, I, and I'm happy. I mean, I'm glad that you're still doing it. 21 years now, you know, uh, last year you put on that great show, and, and now it's coming out on a DVD, a CD. I mean, it's really impressive. It's a beautiful video, too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, we didn't really plan on doing a, a video, like a, a Blu-ray or something. Uh, it was uh, it was a little bit – it happened a little bit by accident, so to speak. <laughs> How did it all come about? I mean, were you looking to celebrate the 20th anniversary, or was it just another day in the life of a musician for you? Yeah, no. I mean, this was like the first few shows we did after the pandemic, you know, after all the measures were being lifted and stuff, the restrictions. Um, we had just done a last-minute U.S. tour uh, a spring of 2022, and then we didn't have much after that, just a couple of festivals here and there. And then we said, you know what? We have the 20th anniversary. We had done like a vinyl reissue of the debut album. And we said, let's just do two shows in Greece, like a hometown show and one in Athens just to celebrate. And it has been like, it had been five years since we played in Greece. So we said, let's just do it. And um, we knew those, those shows were going to do well because we have a really loyal fan base here. Um, and then like, you know, some friends of ours who had done our DVD like back in the day, like 15 years ago, they came up to me and they said, look, we can we can film this again if you want. We could just send our mobile uh, unit with, you know, the crew and everything. We could, Whatever. We can just get it done for you and then we'll give you the tape and you can do whatever you want with it. And I was like, really? OK. So then I started thinking of other things, you know, like, OK, we're going to film it, you know, and we're going to let's see what we can do with it. You know, I, uh, it came out really good, you know, with a 10 people. Uh, 10, 10, uh, 10 camera film crew we recorded the audio and I had all these I had this great footage in my hands and then I put up a couple of videos on my YouTube channel and then I thought you know what let's just do something try to do something bigger with this you know and, and then I talked to the label I said why don't we just do like some kind of a DVD thing is you know because everybody's streaming nowadays everybody's doing all those things and they're cool and all that but let's do like a some kind of a like old school kind of a uh, physical product. And they're like, yeah, they were into it. Let's say, they said, let's do a, a Blu-ray and a double CD audio, you know? So it's like a three disc package. And that's how the idea came about. And it's a great package. And I'm glad that you did put it out that way. I stream, we all stream today, but I'm still like, you know, I'm from the 80s. So I like having physical copies of everything, you know, in my collection just to have and listen to and hold and see. So I'm happy that you did that. And, that, you know, bands are starting to get back into that. It seems more and more now. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. You know, we hear about the vinyl making a comeback and all that. And, but, you know, like, uh, even, like, even back like 15 years ago when we put out our DVD, even that, the DVD market was also going down at that time. 
and nowadays it's kind of like non-existent but in a way like cds and those type of products they they still they somehow are gaining value again and uh i thought you know what what if we did like a like a triple package and you know i got the the the, the dvd in my hands the other day and i just opened it up and it felt really nice, you know, like, I don't know if I'm just getting older now or something, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it just felt really nice to hold a package like that again. I'm like, wow, we can put out like a, a Blu-ray like in 2023. I mean, I don't know who's going to give a shit, but it, it, it sure looks nice, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that it does. Do you, you Obviously, you still get excited when you put out a product. I mean, you know, I, I can't even count the amount of albums that you've put out with Firewind and all the other bands and projects you've been a part of, but do you still get that same feeling every time you get that, you know, that initial package of what you're releasing? Yeah, man. Yeah, because you want to see the artwork. How it, you know? I always look at even like after we proofread everything and you see everything on the computer and the artwork. Oh, it looks great. But then when you see it printed, you know, from the factory, there's some kind of a, a different. It, it feels different, you know. And then I read again everything just to make sure, like, okay, if we had uh, had a, any misspells or anything, we can't change it now. It's there forever. So. <laughs> But I still go through the credits and all those things, and I just look at everything uh, again when I hold it in my hands, you know, when I have the CD or the vinyl. It's still cool. It really is. I mean, where did you think Firewind was going to wind up after, you know, you record all the songs for the Nocturnal Symphony uh, tape? I mean, did you think it was going to go on from there? Was it just something like you wanted to just do to get out of your system the right songs? Because it really was kind of your first thing. Well, Nocturnal Symphony was just like a demo, you know. It was just a demo to showcase my thing to record labels. Uh, the first proper album it took me four years to get it together and um the first album was between heaven and hell in yeah. 2002 um i mean hence the 20th anniversary because last year was the 20th anniversary of you know since the debut album but um I, I i wasn't sure where it was gonna go i wasn't sure how how long this thing would last uh, it's kind of remarkable because you know we're not really the biggest band in the world but but it's kind of and, – and I know I've seen a lot of people come and go at record labels at, you know, instrument companies. Uh, I've seen a lot of people coming and go in, 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 in the, you know, um, companies dissolving, booking agents, uh, people quitting bands, bands quitting, you know, like, like breaking up. So I've seen a lot of things like that, and I'm, I'm like, wow. Sometimes I, I think I, – I stay still, and I'm like, I'm still here doing, like, my band, like, since, since I was a kid, and – you know, there's people that kind of like still listen to us and we can still travel. We can get on a plane or on a bus and, and travel Europe or America. It's 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 mind-blowing, you know. You cannot take these things for granted. That That's so true. When you say, like, you know, you recorded those songs more as a, a showcase for yourself, were, was the goal from the beginning to maybe do something solo or become a solo artist or were you just looking to just get something out there so you can form a band around it? No, originally... It's kind of strange. I've, I, it, the easiest route would have been to go solo, and at that time, I just I was so scared about it, and it was just not even in my mind. I wanted to have a band name. Um, you know, I was like a huge fan of Michael Schenker and Ingve Malmsteen, but you know, it was the Michael Schenker group, and it was Ingve Malmsteen's rising force, and all those guys had great singers. So that was kind of, to in my mind as a kid, that was always like the what do you call it, like the, the, the blueprint, like you have a great guitar player and a great singer, and that's like and a great rhythm section, and that's what completes a great rock and roll or metal band, whatever. Um, even like Black Sabbath, I was, you know, being a huge Sabbath fan, and when when Ozzy left or when, or when Dio left, and Tony Iommi always kept going with other singers, so to me that was always, always 
very um, inspiring because we went through a lot of lineup changes. So I always thought about, okay, I should, I should keep the band alive. In my mind, that was it, you know, uh, rather than just being solo. I just, I didn't go solo until much, much later when I put the band on hiatus back in uh, 2013. That's true. And like you said, there were quite a few lineup changes. That seems to be the norm today, whether it's people that have the time to commit to being in a band, don't realize maybe what they're getting involved in when they say, yeah, I'm going to join the band and be a part of it. There's a lot that goes on, but even though oh, you've yeah. gone through maybe like four or five singers over the last 20-something years, you know, I think you've kept it consistent. You know, your guitar playing, your songwriting, is what kind of keeps firing when firing when, more so than just a singer. And, you know, anytime you change a singer, that's a tricky thing to do. Mm-hmm. It is, and it hurts the band. I'll be honest with you. It does hurt. It hurt the band because, sure, you know, I write the band and, like, when, as soon as you hear, like, my riffs, you're probably going to think, oh, yeah, that's probably something sounds like Firewind. So that's one of the trademarks of the band. However, a singer is the guy who sings the lyrics, so people identify with that, with a voice. Uh, so when you lose a voice that people kind of are attached to, it does hurt the band, and it has hurt us going through so many singers. Uh, I mean, the good thing within all those mishaps is that we've always had great singers in the band. We never had a bad singer. <laughs> that's true. So... Yeah, so it's like whether you're into more into like into a certain era of the band or you prefer a singer over another one, they're all great. They're all really good. Um, and uh, but you know we found new energy with a, with a new guy, Herbie. You know he's brought in a, a new energy to the band, and uh, fans love him. So we're happy about that. He's definitely doing a great job. And of course, when you think 1998, when you're trying to get this this whole thing going and this whole thing started, it wasn't exactly the most kindest time for metal bands to start up. I mean, the 80s went into the 90s and things died out, but right around the time you got things going is when things started to turn, but it was just the very beginning of it. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, because like at the end of the 90s in America, I mean, like this traditional heavy metal didn't even exist. I remember like being in America and it was like, I was really out of my you know, out of my league there was like, whoa, what's happening here? Everybody's talking about Korn and Limp Bizkit and those bands. And like guys like me with long hair and tight jeans were, you know, people would kind of like look at it and laugh at, you know? So, <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know. And then, and, and then, you know, in Europe, like the Swedish metal scene started blooming. And then that's where I was like, okay, I should probably go there and, and try to get something going on there. Um, and even when we put out in the early 2000s, when we put out the first record, guitar solos weren't cool even then. Um, I think it wasn't until 2004, 2005 that things started turning around and we started seeing more like Swedish metal bands on things like Ozfest. You would see bands like Arch Enemy and In Flames, bands that had like Twin Harmonies, like Thin Lizzy and Maiden again. So that kind of sound kept coming back. Uh, and that's when all of a sudden it became cool to to, to do solos again in, in the song. And um, all of a sudden the whole guitar hero term was started being thrown around. And even guitar magazines started featuring more underground players. And yeah, so I think we were we were part or I was part of that kind of movement around 2005 to 2008 when it started being cool again. But when we first started out, no, nobody, nobody, you, you weren't even allowed to do solos. <laughs> it's true. You, a part of that movement, I think you were the entire movement back then because all at one time you sort of had Dream Evil going, Mystic Prophecy, Night Rage, Fireman, they all kind of intertwined with each other all around those same four or five year period. You were the same. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, 
but I was part of all those bands. You're right. I started out because at the time, I would play with whoever would have me, and then it was not like all those bands. I was with them in the beginning, and I started. I I started those bands with those guys, and I co-wrote the songs. Um, but at the time, nobody had a record deal, and then all of a sudden, all those projects were offered record deals, and and I was like, oh, cool. So then all of a sudden, my name was around the magazines and, and press a lot because every other month I, I had a release with one of those bands. And then touring obligations started, and then I couldn't keep up eventually after a couple of years, so I had to make a choice. True. You know, when, when you, you think like, you know, the, the height of heavy metal, like 85, 86, I mean, there was such a great scene throughout Europe and the rest of the world, but every band wanted to come to America, make it in America, break big here. And then when the scene turned and everything started coming back in the 2000s, it was Europe that was leading the charge. I mean, a few weeks ago, my wife and I went to Greece for a trip, and as soon as we got picked up at the airport from the cab, the guy puts you on the radio, I'm listening to Iron Maiden, DR, I'm like, this is the place to live. I mean, everything just switched <laughs> over to Europe, and that's where everybody wants to go today. How strong is the scene in Europe today? Um, you know, it's there's there's a... There is definitely a, a strong metal scene. Obviously, we have. I think what kept it going strong is uh, the plethora of festivals. We have a lot of metal festivals, open air festivals every summer, uh, that are huge. So a lot of the bands come over here and they tour all summer long and they play these festivals, which is something America hasn't had for a lot of a lot of years. Yeah. And I think the only festival you guys had, even like back then, it was. Ozfest. I think I think Ozzy was the guy who started this, you know, and he made a traveling festival, and then that kind of started picking up after that, and then Slipknot did this similar thing, and yeah, um, and now there's, there's obviously a few more festivals, but but in Europe, I think there's that kind of like summer festival culture that people go out to, and you get to see a lot of bands from small bands to all the big headliners. Um, I mean, this past weekend we just played. A small festival somewhere outside of Hanover in Germany. I mean, Wacken Festival, the world's biggest metal festival, was happening like 100 kilometers next. And there was like another smaller thing that we were playing. You know what I mean? So there's like there's a lot of things to, to go to and to do. And, and people go out there you know, and, and they support that. And I think that has kept the, 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 metal, the metal scene alive all these years here. No, absolutely true. I mean, there are so many underground bands or bands that have been around for a long time uh, here in the U.S. that, you know, make a living out of just going over to the festivals over the summer. They play as many as they can. They really don't even bother trying to tour anymore or maybe do a one-off show here and there. It seems like that's like the only option today is like either play the festival circuit or do one-offs. It's very hard to get tours together today. Yeah, I still think it's important to, to tour in America, though. It's very important. It is the bigger, the biggest... Uh the biggest market of the world, the biggest economy of the world. So you have to, you have to try to, to, if not make it in America, if not make it big, you have to, to, to have some kind of presence there. So for me, it's very important to try and come back there at least once every couple of years, you know? Yeah. And we love seeing you when you get here. And I'm happy that you do get over here still. I mean, how, I mean, I know you got shows coming up next month in August, but you know, guys, when you, people think of the legacy of Firewind or all the bands you've been a part of and the songs you write, I mean, what's the one thing you want them to walk away with? You want them to say, you know, Gus is just the most amazing guitar player in the world. Never mind. I'm not even going to talk about the Aussie stuff, you know, but I'm just saying, do you want people to remember you as a guitar player or as a songwriter and as a musician and a band? Oh, wow. I mean, honestly, it's not like a... It's kind of strange to... 
to think like that for me, I, I, I will be just, uh, I think it would be nice if people just remember me at all <laughs> after I'm gone. Uh, I don't care if they'll remember me as a, somebody who could solo really good or if it's somebody who wrote a, a, a couple of decent riffs too. I don't, I don't really care. I mean, if they remember me, that, that'll be nice. You know? Because it's a, I don't know, man. I, I think about these things sometimes. It's such a, it's a little bit of a selfish thing. Like uh, we're probably if in, in the whole, you know, if you look at infinite, what is infinite and how long in, in the, if you measure it like that, what is our lifespan here? It's probably just like a blink of an eye, you know? So yeah, I don't know if it's all, if it's all that important at the end, you know, it's, I think it's more important to appreciate what we have in the moment. I know I'm getting a, a little bit philosophical now, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> but if you think about it, like in 200 years from now or 300 years from now, everybody I know and they, the, the people that they know, they'll probably be gone and dead. So <laughs> who knows what the world will be listening to in three, 400 years from now. That's um, true. I, I don't know. And probably at that time, we won't even care. We won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. But you really are one of the best guitar players out there today in the scene in general altogether. You know, if you ask Yingve, you know, about him being a guitar player, he'll tell you he's the greatest in the world without hesitation. Most of the guitar <laughs> players that are amazing don't like to brag about themselves. But was there ever a time you said, you know, I'm pretty good. You know, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I never would go on to say like I'm uh, I'm the best or anything like that. I don't I don't believe in that. I mean, there's always like somebody who can just play circles around you. Uh, I don't care who you are. Like just especially nowadays, just open Instagram. You'll find some kid in Indonesia playing incredibly like better than anything else you ever heard. Um, yeah, but of course it's good to have some kind of confidence and you know you know that you're good and and all that. You have to be confident in what you do. Um, yeah, so that I am, but. Uh, as far as who's best and all that, I, I don't really care about those things. I know who are my favorite guitar players, and that's it. That's all that matters. Is yeah. I mean, did you ever feel like you got to a point with the guitar where, you know, I've kind of learned everything I need to know, or is it still something that you always have something to learn? Ooh. Oh, no, man. Music is a never-ending journey. It never ends, so I'm still learning. I'm still a servant of music, and I'm still learning, believe me. I mean, I, I mean honestly, I, I can play things that I, today that I couldn't even touch upon 10 years ago. Like when I was on stage with Ozzy, there was things like I couldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even be able to play back then. You know, so but so I'm, I think I'm constantly getting better. And I that wish you I had are. more time to practice nowadays. <laughs> well, you're always putting out some sort of record, one every other. You know, between the yeah. the solo stuff, Firewind, you, you're always putting out music. I mean, so I mean that's a beautiful thing that you're able to do that. And with this record coming out, it's September 1st is the official release date for the CD and the DVD. But I'm sure there's gonna be a new Firewind probably. I'm guessing next year. There is, yeah. We just finished that one, to be honest. We just, I actually just sent the masters to the label, and now we're getting, we're starting the discussions of when to release it and what's going to be the next single and stuff. So, I can tell you that there will be brand new Fire Music pretty soon. Like, hopefully, a new single by the end of the year and the new album early 24. Yeah. That's going to be great. What about the solo stuff? Because it's great to hear the instrumental stuff, and you had, you know, Quantum Leap out about two years ago. You know, it's, it's, I always love hearing that stuff because it gets to show you who you are, I think, musically, as a guitarist. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I really like doing that. Was my first all instrumental effort, and I really enjoyed doing that. It was, uh, it was for the first time something totally different after working with so many singers in my career. So uh, I started really getting to the role and enjoying being like the instrumental guitar player, kind of like a center, you know, center stage there, sure. and just doing my thing. Uh, it's a different experience. 
Um, I, I mean, I want to I want to do another one. Uh, hopefully, after I'm done with organizing and you know thinking how we're gonna put out the next firewind out to the world, I think the next task for me will be to start thinking of the next uh, solo step as a solo artist. Yeah, it has to be great doing a solo work because when you come up with something in the studio, you don't have to look around and see if the other four or five guys are looking at you saying, you know, what is that? <laughs> it's like, no, it's just me. It's only me. That's it. I got to tell you, originally it was scary. Like when I did my first solo record, I remember like finishing a track and then the engineer looked at me and was like, you happy? Okay, we go we go on. And it was at, at that moment, I realized, wow, there's no singer I need to ask about this or yeah. nobody else in the band. I said, yeah, sure, we're fine. Let's go. Uh, it's a bit I, scary, but at the same time, liberating, you know? I mean, when it comes to your music and you're writing it, I mean, doesn't you, don't, doesn't, don't you know better than anybody else where you want the song to go and how you want it to go? Usually, yeah, yeah. I have a pretty uh, strong vision, like musical vision of where I want to go and what I'm doing when I'm creating something. But, you know, I, I like to co-write. Like, in Firewind, I co-write a lot with Herbie nowadays. Um, and also, we have our co-producer, Dennis Ward. So, we have, like, a little songwriting team, the three of us. Kind of like in the driver's seat of this, you know, I, I present the finished demo and I give them like an idea and then they'll come back to me with vocal melodies and then we'll finish the lyrics together. So I like to collaborate and feed off other people like that. Uh, it That's also exciting to me, you know, to be surprised by somebody else who, who uh, I, I want to write with. Uh, because, you know, I, I, I cannot really write everything i i always get stuck as well and i need uh uh feedback from uh, from other people so um it's important like when you're making instrumental music you can you can go either way you don't need to co-write with other people on that but uh but when it comes to making like if you want to craft like a three minute three and a half minute song and make it catchy and make it sound huge i think it's important to to write with other people Sure. Did you ever have that one firing song that you wrote and you said, this is perfect. We don't need to do anything with it. This is the way it's going. Then you get into the studio and somebody in the band says, nah, maybe we got to change this and change that. And you actually did it and it came out better than you thought. Ooh. Um, no, there isn't one uh, that I can say that has ha- ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I always think, like, the best idea wins. You know, I don't, like, unless I feel really strong about something. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's been times where, like, Dennis, you know, the producer will come in and say, hey, let's try this course or, or let's try to speed this up, like, a few BPMs or suggest small ideas here and there that will definitely enhance the song. Yeah. And you've done that over the years. And Gus, I'm not going to keep I know you have a whole bunch of these things going on today, so I'll give you a chance to breed before the next one. But September 1st, an AFM record, still raging, live at the Principal Club Theater. What an amazing job you did on this, and I can't wait for the new Firewind to come out. I'm glad that it's in the can. We just got to wait on it now. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gus. You have a great afternoon, my friend. You too. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Mike.
Brian Wynn with Welcome to the Empire. I want to thank both of my guests tonight, James Rivera and Gus G. It was a pleasure having them on and talking with them. We have two shows left before we take a little break during the Labor Day weekend, but then when we come back, it's our 15th anniversary. It's been a long 15 years, and I've enjoyed every moment of it. Uh, let me see. Who do we have on next week? Oh, I said it before. Steve Gaines and Eric Bryan from Anger Resort. Everybody remember Steve from the Abattoir Days. Great band. And who else do we have on next week? I know we have one other guest. Oh, we have Alton Eddins from Max Warrior. How do you beat that, huh? Two great guests next week. I believe the week after that, we got John Gallagher of Raven coming back on the show. The band's on tour right now in Europe, so we'll probably do a, a Skype call, I'm guessing. So let's wrap it up here tonight. We're going to close it out with a band called Shock Tilt. Uh, these guys are out of Finland. I mean, uh, they sort of remind me of like a cross between Rainbow and Early Accept. Uh, they had, I think, the one EP out called Night Flight uh, in 85. And then there was like a demo after that. But read about these guys. If this is the band I'm remembering, their guitar player was raped and dismembered by a manager in 1987. There's some crazy shit going on over there in Finland back then. But look up this band and read about that. It's pretty wild. All right, so here you go. Here's Shock Tilt with Shock Tilt. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.